Drink it in now. Deep left side carry on. Picks on the block. At the five. At the two. At the one to the end zone. Touchdown Detroit Lions. Drink it in now. Get up Stafford throws. It is end zone. Hey everybody, welcome to the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Uh, Once again, this is Griff coming at you this Friday. Uh, It's another hectic week for me and Derek, so I'm running solo this week. Um, Once again, though, it is Friday, so let's start off with the weather report. As last weekend, uh, you know, we had that huge snowstorm and it got cold, just like I predicted. But then, you know, this weekend coming up, it's back to the high 30s, you know, low 40s again. Gosh, man, this temperature changes. It just always messes with my sinuses and gets me up and down. So I'll try to make sure I'm full of energy for you guys today. But once again, as always, it is wintertime out here in the uh, Midwest. And uh, I know it's nicer than the South if you listen to us, out in the West Coast if you listen to us. But uh, please, you know, uh, always be safe out there when you're out there driving. Um, the first thing I really want to touch on is um once again one of the uh, former Lions greats I know uh some people like to kind of poke at me I know Derek does because I kind of you know always bring up the old names but uh Alex Karras former defensive tackle for the Detroit Lions has finally made the Hall of Fame class of this year I realize it was that part of that special vote for the centennial you know um the centennial vote by those guys but still it's well deserved um I know my age, I've never seen the guy play. And this is where some people get on me. It's like, well, how do you know he was good? I saw enough of his highlights. And, you know, I know, Derek, you can get the bell out. Yeah, I did look at his stats. And this is before they really kept, like, sacks and pressures and, you know, quarterback hits and, you know, all that stuff. So, um, his, you know, just have your basic tackles and interceptions, stuff like that when he played. But this guy... He was well-deserved. I mean, he was part of the original Fearsome Foursome. I know a lot of people hear about the for- Fearsome Foursome that was out in that, like Rams, that included Merlin Olson, Deacon Jones. But this guy was, um, you know, part of the Detroit Lions Fearsome Foursome. You know, the original Silver Rush, you know, him, Roger Brown, you know, a couple other guys. They used to wreak havoc on, like, those old guys from the NFC North, you know, the Green Bay Packers, Minnesota Vikings, the Chicago Bears. I mean, those defenses that Alex Karras was a part of, those are really great defenses. But let me just, you know, give you a couple things about Alex Karras and why I liked him, other than that he was, you know, Mongo in uh, Blazing Saddles, one of my favorite movies, you know, because, you know, Mongo is just a Mongo, just pawn in, in, in life. And, you know, he punched out a horse and, you know, he did like candy. You know, candy ran for Mongo. So if you've never seen Blazing Saddles, go check it out. One of the funniest movies of all time. But uh, anyways, I mean, Alex Karras, he was a first-round draft pick, you know, out of Iowa for the Detroit Lions. And um, that was in 1958. And he was like the number 10 pick that year. And, um, you know, he was... He's you know he's a four-time Pro Bowler for him. He was three-time he was three-time All-Pro first team, six-time All-Pro second team. Um, he was also part of the um, what 1960s team of the decade, and it was one of those things where uh, 
I always wondered, like, he was like the only defensive lineman on the team that wasn't in the Hall of Fame at that time that made the team of the decade. And that was one of those things that really stuck in my craw that uh, really bugged me about it. And there was always this talk, you know, going around because if you don't realize it, at one point in his career for the 1963 season, um, he was um, suspended for the year, him and Paul Horning, the Green Bay Packers, for gambling on football. And, um, he, you know, he sat out the whole year doing that, um, and then uh, he was reinstated by Pete Rosella next year. But even during the year off, you know, um, he went and he did pro wrestling. I mean, so the guy watched the, the guy was athletic enough. He went and did pro wrestling, and uh, you know, just to stay in shape. And, and he came back to football the next year. Uh, one of the big things, like, where once again, I always say the Packers get the calls. I mean, Paul Horning. Don't get me wrong. I've seen plenty of video, of Paul Horning. I realize he's won Super Bowl championships. You know, where Alex Karras didn't with the Lions. But um, Paul Horning's part of the Green Bay Packers. You know, once again, the trophy's named after their former coach. So, naturally, Paul Horning's been in the Hall of Fame for years. So, uh, once again, um, that, that seemed to be schmoozed over a little bit. You know, even though it kind of stuck with Alex Karras a little more, it was also a little bit that um, he was generally known to be a, a nice guy. But he wasn't a huge fan of the media. So, or... Um, that could be another thing that you know, kind of cost him there as well. That you know why he didn't get voted in. He was you know could be a little surly at times, but a lot of people liked him. And, and uh, he was an all-around nice guy. Um, one of the funniest things that I ever heard the story, and I know you can go look this up, was after he came back. The year he came back, he was out. You know, he was out pregame out for a coin toss, and the referee looked at him and said, uh, you know, asked him to you know if he would you know make the call, you know, heads or tails. And um, he retorted, and he's like, "Sorry, sir, I'm not permitted to gamble." And he was like, "I can't imagine what the ref on, the look on the ref's face was at the time when a player actually came back and said that." But I mean, it's kind of ballsy to go out there and say that. You know, it's like, "No, I can't call a coin flip because Pete." Roselle said, I can't play football if, if I gamble, and this is gambling, heads or tails. So, me, I always thought that was kind of, that was a funny story. I, I always heard about him, and it always made me laugh. Um, he was one of those guys, like, when I would watch Lions games when I was ki- when I was a kid with my dad. My dad would always bring him up because my dad saw him play, and he's like, ah, oh, he was great, you know, especially when, I don't know if you ever saw the TV show Webster from the 80s. You know, that's where my dad told me I was watching that show when I was a kid, and he's like, yeah, he used to play for the Lions. I'm like, what? And he started telling me about him, how great he was, you know, what type of player, how he was, you know, one of the best defensive linemen he ever saw. So, you know, it's one of those things I share with my dad that, uh, you know, where it really gets me into looking at older guys. Uh, um, I know, you know, we all kind of like live in the moment, who's great now, but sometimes you got to look back and see where teams got, you know, who was on the team, how they got there, you know, the greats of those old guys and kind of revere them. And Alex Karras is one of those guys I always did revere. Um, I know I said this on a show before, but I brought the book Paper Lion, and you know where George Plimpton was, you know, trying out with the Lions at that time. Um, I can't remember exactly what year it was, but um, it was the year after he tried out. He saw the team again in Philadelphia, if I'm remembering the story correctly. And a bunch of guys were hanging out in the hotel room before going either to the state before going to the stadium. And when he walked in, and you know everybody was jovial, having a good time. Alex Karras was in there, and at one point during while he was in there hanging out with the, with the guys, George Plimpton kind of noticed that Alex Karras really started to kind of get a little surly. And and, he, and at one point, he just kind of, I don't want to say made a snide comment, but his attitude changed. He got mad, and he ended up leaving the room. And George Plimpton, like, looked around and said, you know, did I do something? Did I make him mad? And, he just, and they're like, nope, he's just getting ready for the game. That's how he does it. And that always kind of stuck with me, too. And I know there's plenty of guys like that, too. You always hear, when they put the helmet on, they're different guys. So that's one of those things where he's kind of cut from that same cloth like that. So 
I, I've said it before a million times. I always thought this guy belonged in. I always thought he was cheated. And I know the biggest thing was that he was getting stuck, you know, for, you know, the gambling thing is, is what I always thought when, you know, reading up on him. But once again, you know, former, you know, former great hats off to Alex Karras. I mean, too bad he passed away in 2012, so he's not going to be able to see this. But, you know, he's one of the key lines, you know, from, you know, 1958 to 1970. So if you, if you feel like it, you know, go back. You know, look up. You know, look up some of his um, old videos and see actually how dominant he was. He was part of that um, defensive line that uh, actually was, I believe, sacked Bart Starr like eight or nine times on a Thanksgiving Day game, and um, the Lions crushed him that game and at Old Tiger Stadium. But uh, you know, finally, it's well deserved that Alex Karras, you know, finally made the Hall of Fame. And um, like I said, just too bad he won't be around to not see it and make a speech there. I mean, I'm sure as a uh, you know, surviving family members will do a wonderful job doing that. Um, before I get into the rest of the show here, let's take a pause for the cause. And um, everybody, uh, once again, appreciate uh, you know taking care of our sponsors. So uh, we'll be back in one second. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hey, once again, we're back. Um... I know I missed it before after doing the weather report, but once again, you know, TGIF. Sorry, everybody. I know you guys were expecting that. You know, thank God it is Friday. It's going to be another weekend here and, uh, you know, another weekend closer to the draft, another weekend closer to, uh, you know, um, mini camps and training camps. So I know we're all looking forward to that. Uh, I'll be in Lions fans seeing how this team's going to change. But um, let's do this. Um, I know we're going to talk, you know, a lot about um, – was it the draft? And I know Derek does a lot, of, a lot of work on that. I know uh, he puts a lot of time into that. And I know on a show last week we talked about filling the spots either with um, free agents or if you would look to do that in the draft. But um, what I'm going to do is, you know, I know Derek's going to handle draft, and I know we're going to talk about this later. But what I want to do is just bring up some potential free agents that could be landing spot. You know, that could be landing here with Detroit, or just talk about some guys. Um, it just seems like, you know, free agency has been around since I, gosh, I want to say since I was a kid, but, you know, I believe I was a young teen when free agency started. I can't remember the exact year it happened, but I remember the old days where Wayne Fonts was bringing in. I remember they were showing highlights of him at, you know, Pistons game sitting there with Reggie White and, like, Derek Thomas. And um, everybody kind of figured that Derek Thomas was going to sign, resign with Kansas City, but, you know, Reggie White was out there. You know, he wasn't resigning with Philadelphia, and everybody kind of thought, you know, Detroit was a potential landing spot, you know, for this big time free agent game changer, Reggie White. And everybody knows the story about Reggie White. You know, he went to sleep one night and God told him, you know, like, here, go to Green Bay. But um, it seems like, you know, even since then, I mean, if the Lions were to land a 
you know, you know, a free agent, like a big name, they always kind of had to overpay for him. I mean, they had to do it like Dre Bly and even with like Trey Flowers. I mean, some people, you know, after the year he put last year, year he had last year, were saying, you know, we really overpaid for that guy. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I'm not mistaken. Reggie White, you know, Trey Flowers for Reggie White by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, Trey Flowers did come on later in the year. But um, still, he's nowhere near Reggie White. You know, we got Kennard a few years ago. Nobody's going to mistake that guy for Lawrence Taylor. And um, it just seems like, I don't know if the Lions just don't want to pay or the Lions just have that, you know, that stigma where for big-time free agents, big-name free agents don't want to come here because it's the Detroit Lions. But um, I get that feeling sometimes, and it just seems like we really need to overpay guys that, you know, if they went somewhere else, they would, you know, get a, I guess, uh, a reasonable paycheck. But for them to come here in Detroit, they have to kind of overpay. And I know Derek might hear this and say, well, that's that's loser talk, that same old Lions talk. But face it, man, look back at it. It's just track. It's, 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 it's history. It's, you know, recent history even. So, I mean, the same thing. Like, they got Justin Coleman last year, PFF's number one rated slot corner. <clears throat> and even me and Derek were debating at times was, you know, was he did he have the type of year that really justified the contract that he got? So, I'm going to do this. I'm going to cover some potential, you know, free agents and just give you just a real thumbnail at it really quick and you know what we think of you know what I think about them I'll dive deeper into these guys later with Derek I know we'll bring up these names later but these are just some potential free agents um, I know that we can talk about and uh, go from there but um, let's start with um, I guess you know you always kind of work inside out let's start with like the defensive line I know there was always a rumor going out that Detroit was ready to make Chris Jones the highest you know give him a nice big fat contract now Chris Jones is a uh, defensive uh, lineman out of Kansas City I'm sure you all know that um, age he's not old at all I mean he's 26 years old he's had a good year I mean it was it um, last few years he's been rated in the top eight at his position um, Chris Jones, I, I don't know if he's going to come here. I think the only way that he's going to come here is if they give him a nice big contract, big fat contract, and some people might think it's overpaid. And, and I know last year when the Lions signed Trey Flowers, we we're all happy with that. And some were like, well, you overpaid for him. And, you know, this might be the same thing that we have to do to cr- get Chris Jones here. But uh, I know at one point Kansas City has a lot of young talent there. They might have to let Chris Jones walk this year. But, yes, if the Lions paid and got Chris Jones here, I would love that. Uh, another guy here on the, I listed is Eric Armstead. Um, he's also 26 years old. Uh, he's, uh, he's on San Francisco. Um, he took a really big step forward this year. He might be a guy the Lions might look to sign a little more than, say, Chris Jones, simply with his versatility. He's... Um, He's, he can be deemed one of those defensive linemen who's a little smaller or at the edge. And we all know that uh, Bob Quinn, Matt Patricia, they like guys who are versatile. But uh, Eric Armstead, they might look at him and be more apt to sign him than Chris Jones, since Chris Jones is just a you know straight defensive tackle, and depending on what the Lions look to do in the draft. But Eric Armstead, he's played really well the last couple of years, but this year I think he was a little, you know, better than, than, uh, he's, he has been in the past. So he might get a bigger payday that way. He is another guy. I would not be sorry, you know, if the Lions were able to sign him. And, um, once again, I think with his versatility, the Lions might look at that a little more than, say, Chris Jones. Um, staying on the defensive side of the ball, let's go back to the next level. Let's start. Let's go to the linebackers. And I know we all kind of wonder about linebackers here. We all, you know, I know, I think, you know, 
was it uh, Davis? I, I don't think he's that great. He's not that great. He's fast, but he misses tackles. Jalen Tavai, he gets a lot of tackles, but he's slow. He can't cover. Christian Jones, you know, according to PFF, he's one of the top-rated linebackers during the, you know, for run for um. Was it uh, defensive against the run? But that guy couldn't cover a coffee table. And uh, Kennard, I, I like Kennard. Um, he might be a little slower, but um, he does get to the quarterback at times as well. I, I think we need some some better linebackers myself. And uh, first one that comes to mind is um, it's uh, Corey Littleton. He's a linebacker for the L.A. Rams. Um, he's also 26 years old. Um, what I really like about uh, Corey Littleton is uh, he does what uh, a lot of our linebackers struggle with, and that's cover the running backs and tight ends. That's one thing that he is noted for that he can do. And um, especially with uh, the type of offenses that the Lions face here in the NFC North, you know, Green Bay likes to use the tight ends, you know, hit Aaron Jones out of the backfield. Um uh, the pat was it the Bears the they um, I know Matt Forte always used to you know burn the lines with that little wheel route and they haven't seemed to do that nearly as much the last couple years I just think it's talent wise and offensive wise but they do have a new offensive coordinator going in there this year in Minnesota that's the same thing um <clears throat> we all seen what Minnesota did with uh, Kyle Rudolph or Smith. Uh, Dalvin Cook out of the backfield as well. Um, I think he could really help. Now the knock on Corey Littleton is that. You know, as far as good as he is, is at covering the running backs and tight ends out of the backfield, he's not that great against the run. And once again, you know, when the weather turns bad in some of those outside stadiums, everybody's looking to pound the pound the rock, run run the ball. So, you know, for what he's good at, you know, he, he's not as good at covering. You know, tight, you know, once again, run defense, and we already kind of have a Jared Davis on that. But I kind I, I like Corey Littleton simply because for what we really struggled with as a team last year at um with our linebackers covering tight ends and running backs that is something he can do and the other one that always comes to mind that everybody kind of jokes about that's Kyle Van Noy I mean everybody knows Kyle Van Noy when we drafted him everybody was kind of happy it's like hey we got this and then I don't know if ever you know everybody heard the story that you know one of the Lions coaches was you know on the defense like we just don't know really what to do with you and that's just like Really? I mean, how can you tell a, a draft pick, like, you know, we took you, but we don't know exactly what to do with you? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, he was traded off to New England, and uh, under Matt Pat, he, you, you know, you really found his legs. And, you know, they, they knew what to do with him. They schemed him correctly. Um, I would take Kyle Van Noy back simply because he's worked with Matt Pat, and, he knows, and Matt Pat knows how to use him. And I know the Lions just, you know, took, uh, you know, just signed the new defense coordinator, but we all know it's Matt Pat's scheme, and we all know he'll be doing most of the uh, most of the calling of the defense. Uh, Kyle Vanoy, he is 28 years old. I mean, that's not old by any stretch of the imagination, but um, he's a guy I wouldn't mind seeing at all if they brought him back. Now, once again, if he liked it here and he would do it, I don't know if it's got to be a guy that you would really have to pay him to get back here or not. I don't know if the open market for Kyle Vanoy is that, you know, demanding where people are breaking down his doors. Once again, he seems like more like a scheme guy. He needs to be in the right scheme for him to be successful, and that's what uh, the Patriots were able to do. And if uh, Matt Pat runs, obviously Matt Pat runs the same defensive scheme here, that's what I'd like to like to see him do as well. Um, let's go out to the edge here. Um, here's a couple guys. Um, Everybody's going to say the first one, you know, let's go get Jadavion Clowney. Everybody knows Clowney. His most famous hit is the one against Michigan in, the rule, in that uh, bowl game where he took off the running back's helmet. That's what he's really known for. Um, he's 26 years old. This guy's going to be big money, and he's looking to sign with a contender. I mean, we all seen his 
we all seen his quote or heard his quote, you know, that um, he's looking to, you know, get championships rings. He, does, he doesn't want to go to a team that, you know, doesn't stand a chance. Um, that's one, But still, you're going to have to pay the guy. It just seems like he's that type of guy. He's not going to give anybody a hometown discount at the age of 26. You know, it's like, well, you know, the Packers are a contender. This, you know, the Chiefs are a contender. The 49ers are a contender. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a little less to go pay there with your guys. He's 26 years old. He has he has no he has this contract and then he's got you know probably one more contract you know after that depending on how long he signs for this one that last one will be like um if I don't have a ring I still have something in the tank sign me now and then I'll go get my ring this this is a big money contract what he's looking for yeah he wants a team that you know is uh there on the cusp to give him a lot of money I can put you over the top I'm 26 years old that's what I'm telling everybody so all you teams that you know I think don't stand a chance don't bother calling me so yeah. I don't think he's coming in here at all. So uh, I'm not sad to say that either. Um, the next guy is uh, Shaquille Barrett. And I know a lot of people are like typed about Shaquille Barrett. He had a great year down in Tampa Bay. Um, he started out in Denver before signing with Tampa Bay. And he was a backup in Denver. And um, we all saw what type of talent. You know, Von Miller was out there. And so, yeah, we all know the type of talent Denver had out there, why he was a backup. Um Shaquille Bear's 27 years old, and I see a lot of people calling for this guy. It's like, oh, look at his numbers. Look what he did down in Tampa Bay. Yeah, the guy started out as a house of fire. He did. You know, we had, was like seven sacks in six games or something like that, or eight sacks in seven games. I can't remember off the top of my head. But then it was one of those things where teams are really figuring out how do we, you know, you know, uh, you know, you know, kind of, I don't want to say bottle this guy up, but stop him. I know he still had a lot of pressures. And I know that's one thing me and Derek talked about back and forth, you know, pressures, you know, I mean, I call it an almost stat, but uh, Shaquille Barrett's one of those guys I would stay away from. I think he was, uh, I, I think he was a one-year wonder. I, I, I've said it before, if you were that great, how come you were always constantly a backup? So Tampa Bay signed him for a you know, little bit of money and, you know, they schemed him correctly. But <clears throat> Shaquille Barrett, I know some people call him for him, but um, not me. I, I would stay away from this guy. Um, Edge, I would look for more in the draft or maybe somebody else, and I know we'll dig deeper later on that. So, uh, but that's what I would that's what uh, I would do between those two Edge guys. Clowney's not coming here, and I'd stay away from Shaquille Barrett. Um, I know we often talk about cornerback and needing somebody to start opposite of Slay. Uh, first one um, I'd like to touch base on is Byron Jones. Uh, he's quarterback on in Dallas, and um, he really had a bounce back year for him. He's 27 years old. Um, I think he's pre- I think he's pretty good in coverage. I know um, I've talked to a few other people that think he's not that great, but um, me, you know, 27 years old. He's played in the big games. He's played under with um, you know, he obviously plays for you know, he played for the Cowboys, so he's used to having the spotlight on him. So he knows what it you know what it's like to have the uh, to play in the big stage. Um, but he's another one of those guys that I think he's going to demand big money. And somebody's going to give him a nice fat contract, and um, I don't know if the Lions are willing to do that based on, you know, who else is out there at cornerback and who's here on the team. A O really seemed to come on later in the year and um, do really really well. So he could be a guy the Lions might be like, okay, we're going to go with what's in house. Also, since the Lions just gave Justin Coleman a big contract last year I don't know if they'd be really interested in giving another guy a really big contract in the defensive backfield That's, that could leave your money thin for other positions of need on this team and let's face it there's a, a lot of a lot of spots that are needed on this team 
Um, the other one, I know uh, Derek has talked about this guy, and I've talked about him as well, and that's Chris Harris. Um, he's the uh, cornerback out of Denver that uh, the Lions made a play for late or last year during the trade deadline, but nothing was uh, you know, nothing was able to come about with a trade with him. Uh, Chris Harris is 31 years old. So he's getting a little long in the tooth, and I know some people, oh, 31's not old. Well, 31's old in football, and everybody knows that. Um, he might be a guy, he, he he didn't have that great a year for Denver playing on the outside. He's He was generally known more for the slot. Um, he was really good in slot and, you know, at the slot in zone and man coverage. Um, so if, if if they were to sign him, I don't think he would be that, you know, he'd be that expensive. I mean, I think he'd also be really good in the defensive backfield with Slay. Um, one thing, like I said, just worried about is how his, his play seemed to go down a little bit, being on the outside as opposed to the slot. And unless they're planning on moving Justin Coleman to the outside and putting Chris Harris back at the slot, I don't know if they'd be willing to do that. But uh, Chris Harris, I mean, I'd be happy if he came here. I just think that I would really watch how much you pay him. I, I don't believe he's going to demand a huge contract. or he, I mean, he might demand a huge contract. I don't think he's going to get it simply for you know what he did last year and uh, his age as, as a defensive back. So uh, he's another guy I, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be mad if the Lions were able to sign him for a decent price. Um, I'm just going to touch on one safety, and that's uh, Anthony Harris. He's uh, out of Minnesota. Uh, he's 28 years old. He seemed to be, um, that Minnesota defense, they were a really well-rounded group. Um, they had some, you know, they had some really good players. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, I don't know if you want to call any of them like really superstars, but they had a, they had a lot of, a lot of really, a lot of good talent on that team. And Anthony Harris is one of those guys. Um, I believe he's one of those guys that maybe gets overshadowed a little bit by Harrison Smith. Um, I I said it before that Harrison Smith, you know, when he came out of Notre Dame, I wish the Lions would have took him. But um, Harrison Smith does seem to make plays. But you know, Anthony Harris makes some makes some plays as well. Um, you know, more of a uh, free safety than a strong safety. And um, you know, he's 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 a real sure tackler, and that's you know that's good for a safety. You know, being the last line of defense. Um, he could be a guy that could help once again the young guys back there. I know we talked about this, you know, you know Walker, Harris, you know those guys kind of putting those guys underneath your wing, you know, playing with those guys, uh, you know, you know once again, you know, showing them, you know, learning the ropes. And um, you know, I like Anthony Harris. I don't know if the Lions will make a play for him. I mean, honestly, I would just stay with uh, Tavon, you know, resign him, you know, and bring him back as opposed to you know getting another safety out there. That's what I would look to do. I mean, you know, that's just me, though. You know, arm, I'm the armchair GM on this. Um, other positions that uh, the Lions need, on, I would go with the offensive line. I have a few guys I want to talk about here, more so than, you know, everybody knows what well, I think Amari Cooper's out there. He's, you know, I, I don't think the Lions are going to look to sign Amari Cooper considering they already have Marvin, they already have Kenny, and they're not going to give a big contract to a guy who plays the exact same positions as those two guys. Um, if they were looking for a wide receiver, like we talked about it, and I know uh, Derek mentioned it, just re-signed, re-signed Danny Amendola. Um, he had a good year for the Lions. Um, it was one of the years he was you know stayed healthy the whole year, which is nice, and I think he's got the quicks to do that. 
he would be the wide receiver. I, I wouldn't mind them re-signing over the wide receivers that are out there. So I'm sorry. Uh, I like Cooper. I, I think he's good. He was one of those guys I told Derek a while ago I would take him over Odell Beckham Jr., and I still would. Um, so, But I don't see him signing him. Same thing with A.J. Green out of Cincinnati. Um, I can't see him signing A.J. Green either. And A.J. Green's another guy I really, really like. But based on who's on who's here already for the Lions, I can't see them throwing a lot of money his way either. Um, they still need, Lions still need a backup quarterback as well. You know, there's plenty of guys out there. And uh, I, I don't want to touch really on any backup quarterbacks or, you know, they're, they're going to get somebody over Blau and Driscoll, so I, I just don't know who. I mean, just you know, make it somebody who's been around the league for a little bit, kind of knows the ropes. Can you know, if something drastic was to happen to Stafford mid-game, that you can come in and step in, and the lights aren't too bright, and your eye, you know, your eyes aren't as the size of saucers. So I, I'm not even worried about backup quarterback. But I do want to touch on the offensive line. It's one spot. It seems like the Lions. Um, we've talked about it. Seem to have struggled. Um. They still have Taylor Decker over there. Everybody knows how I feel about Taylor Decker. Derek laughs at me, says he's going to punch me out next time he sees me at training camp. But, yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, once again, I'll give him the stinky leg drop, and I'll just go right around him. Not too worried about that. But um, the other tackle, Rick Wagner, is over there, and there's um, there's a, is a chance that he could be a cap casualty based on what he's making and how he's played the last couple of years and some people tell you well pff says he you know he's, he's a really good run blocker and you know pff you know I'm just, I, it's one of those things i said it before a second i don't see it i think he's completely average for the amount of money that guy makes so a couple tackles that are out there i mean once again i mean we could look at him one is um anthony costanzo out of indianapolis um he's a little older he is 32 years old if you don't if you want to cut wagner pay a guy a little less um I don't. I I think Costanzo might be that guy, being that he is 32 years old. He's he's a good pass blocker, and I I, I realize there's points where this team wants to be more you know balanced, you know, run the ball, pass the ball. So you want a guy who's really good at both. But he's face it, he's not that great against the run. He's 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 better at at pass blocking, and still, I mean, there's points it seems like the Lions do still need to pass the ball a lot. I still think they need to depend on Mass Stafford's arm to win a lot of games or at least get them up in games where, you know, in the fourth quarter where they have a lead, they can go to that four-minute offense, you know, and then grind it out at that point. But um, if the Lions are looking to drive the ball down the field, that's one thing you're going to have to do is keep guys off Matt Stafford and since Anthony Costanzo is good at pass blocking. 32 years old, if you're looking to move on Rick Wagner, if you don't think Crosby's the answer, he might be a guy, you know, give him a couple years, you know, not a huge contract. And But um, I, I don't know if um, if he'll sign here or if the Lions are even interested. He may be a guy that goes back to Indianapolis considering Indianapolis is also looking for a quarterback. They might move on from Jacoby Brissett. At least that's what it sounds like. So, But he's a tackle who's out there. Um, another one is uh, um, Jack Conklin out of Tennessee. And I know we've all been watching the playoffs, and we've all seen Derrick Henry, who's a free agent running back, by the way. Um, I don't want to touch on I'm I don't want to touch on Derrick Henry, but um, Jack Conklin. Well, I know at one point I was texting my buddies, and I'm just like, gosh, when are the Lions going to get an offensive line like Tennessee? Those guys were just busting open up holes, and Jack Conklin's one of those guys. Jack Conklin is really good at, as a run blocker. And it might be one of those guys, if you're really focusing on the run, you know, he might be the guy that you, you, you want to get. He's only 25 years old. He's been one of the better, one of the better run blockers since he came into the league. Um, I'd like him, but um, his downfall is is that 
He's he's not good. He's not that great one-on-one as a pass blocker. He's the guy that tends to need a little more help, either a chip from the running back or he needs the tight end to stay in and help him out. So once again, it, it, it depends on what you're looking to do. If you're looking to drive the ball down the field a lot more, ride the ride the arm of Matt Stafford, then, you know, you know, Jack Conklin might not be the guy that you're looking for. But if you're looking to, you know, pound the ball all the time, run the ball, he might be the guy that you're looking for. You know, and it's it's uh, once again, it's him being 25 years old. I I think he, you know, he might demand a little more because it seems like uh, age, and he is a, he is a good tackle. He he might get a little more money than what the Lions are actually looking to spend on that. So, uh, but still, Jack Conklin is one of those guys. If the Lions were to sign him for a good price, I would I would not be sad. Um, as for um, guards, I mean, I know Glasgow's a free agent. It sounds like he's going to really test the market. And he might price himself out of the uh, Detroit Lions payroll. So um, a couple guys that are sitting out there. Um, one guy, everybody was like, uh, uh, one guy that a lot of people were calling for last year. It's like, hey, see if you can trade for this guy, and that's Brandon Sheriff. Brandon Sheriff, uh, the guard out of Washington. Now, Brandon Sheriff, he's 28 years old. He's been around for a little bit. And, um, once again, 28, year old, 28 years old, not really old. But um, it is getting up there, um, especially over the last few years. He has been a little more injury prone. Um, before that, he was probably one of the best guards in the league. But um, it just seems like the last three years, he really can't stay on the field. He's been injured a lot lately. But he has developed into one of those guards that you know is really good with the you know you know blocking the run and pass blocking, especially those big def- um, big interior defensive linemen. And he has he has been. He has developed into one of those guys, but um, he might be a guy. I don't want to say you're going to get you can get him cheap because I think some teams always look past that. You know, they always look, kind of look past the injury. They look at you know what he's developed into, you know, you know what he is, and he is he's he's a good guard. He he is, but he has been injury prone the last three years. But still, I think a team might look to overpay him. Um, I think if the Lions could get him in here for a, for a decent price, sure. I'm not looking to overpay a guy who can't stay on the field the last three years. I know me and Derek have always joked about this, you know, guys that can't stay on the field, and he'll bring up, like, his measurables and, like, what he's done. But I'm like, yeah, that's great, but he can't stay on the field. So it, it doesn't matter. Then you're, you're not doing anything with him if you're paying a guy for sitting on the sideline when he's injured. Once again, if Brandon Sheriff could stay healthy, I would be really, really happy. But um, this might be a guy, if you got him at a decent price, okay, bring him in. Let's give him a chance. Uh, other than that, if you're looking to pay the guy big money, there's um, I, I wouldn't do that simply because, like I said, it's history of him being injured. And the last guy I want to talk about, um, another guy another guy that people always talk about simply because he has ties to Matt Patricia, and that's uh, Joe Tooney, the uh, offensive guard out of New England. Um, it's funny, everybody thinks that uh, since the guy's on New England, it's like, oh, he knows him, he played on New England. Yeah, they know him, but you know they're not sitting in the same meeting rooms. I mean, one guy was a defensive guy, the other guy was on the offensive side. Yeah, it's, sure, they saw each other on the field and the hallways and stuff like that, but just because um, they were on the same team, one as a coach and one as a player, when they're on opposite sides of the ball. Um, he's one of those guys, uh, Tooney, he's, I wouldn't mind him once again. He's good all around, you know, um, he's 27 years old. So he's not, you know, once again, he's, uh, not that old. Um, he's, he's another guy that's really developed well into handling the bigger guys on the inside. Um, I'd have to say he's probably one of the better offensive linemen that were on, that was on that new England team. And, um, once again, 
based on, you know, keeping Tom Brady upright. He was one of those guys, especially keeping the rush off him from the inside. Um, he's another one of those guys, though. If um, you're looking to, like, break the bank for him, I wouldn't look to do that. I'm not a guy that really likes to break the bank for an interior offensive lineman. That's that's me. I mean, so, some other people might feel the same way. But um, other people might feel it's like, yeah, pay that guy whatever he wants to get him in here. You know, um, but that's not me. I mean, once again, he's another one of those guys that the Lions were able to get him at a decent price. Yeah, bring him on in here. Um, he can only help out, especially if you're going to let Glasgow go, if you're okay with Joe Dahl at the other side, or if you're okay with Abushi, or if you want to go with Dahl and Abushi and not interested in a guard, I guess so be it. But I think you're really uh, you're really not helping yourself out if you're leaving yourself with those two guys. So uh, um, Brandon Sheriff, Joe Tooney, you know, the last couple guys that uh, – Guards and um, once again, if the Lions got them for a decent price, I, I wouldn't be sad, you know, if they, to bring them in to get them here on the offensive line. I think those guys are both to be upgrades over Abushi and Joe Dahl. Once again, that's just me though. Uh, once again, I know there's a whole lot of other spots, a whole lot of other free agents out there that we'll talk about coming up. Once again, I just wanted to give you a thumbnail about some guys that um, you know I'd seen that uh, you know I've been hearing. You know, read stuff on the other people. Bring this guy in. Bring this guy in. Why don't we look at this guy? Bring this guy. So um, these are some of the names. Uh, a lot of them that I'm hearing. A lot of other Lions fans. You know, say, hey, why don't we go get this guy? So uh, I know me and Derek will cover a lot more of these, and we'll go a lot more in depth on these players as uh, the free agency period comes up. And once again, we all know it's after the Super Bowl. Um, I just wanted to give you a quick thumbnail, my opinion on them. So. Um, that's really all I have for today. Um, I know me and Derek are looking to get back together next week, and I'm sure we'll have an entertaining show for you. I hope you enjoyed listening to me. Uh, once again, everybody, I want you to go Lions and drink it in, man. Everybody, once again, be safe out there this weekend, and um, I'm looking forward to the draft here coming up. Out. Pack the bag, start the plane. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions! Drink it in, man! Welcome, everybody, to the Detroit Kool-Aid Casper here this Friday morning. Um... This is Mike coming to you. Me and Derek, once again, busy schedules, unable to hook up, so you get to listen to me this Friday. Uh, once again, any state that has the daylight savings times, that is taking place this weekend, so you will lose an hour of sleep Saturday into Sunday. So don't stay out too late, because there's a chance you may miss church on Sunday morning, and that's not a good thing. But anyways, you know you know what I do here on Fridays? I give you the weather for the weekend. Of course, here in Michigan, it's supposed to be beautiful. This has been the oddest winter of all time, but I will take it. It's supposed to be 40s and almost, um, almost uh, mid-50s coming Sunday, so it can be as crappy as it wants during the week, but as long as this weekend rolls around, it's really nice, I'll be getting outside, maybe uh, doing a little yard work, going for some walks, doing stuff like that, so once again, everybody, enjoy this weekend. Um, just a couple things I want to touch base on, once again, um, I know we are covering the shows again, uh, I will be covering the Washington game and the Thanksgiving Day game against the Bears, that'll come up after the break, but um, there's a couple things I want to touch base with first, um, before we get in, into everything, oops, I forgot. Once again, TGIF, everybody. Thank God it's Friday. Uh, first thing I want to touch base on was the uh, rumor going around that the um, Washington Redskins, there's uh, some scuttlebutt happening, that they may be looking to draft uh, Tua. If uh, Once again, if he's there, if nobody trades up. Um, not for sure what uh, Ron Rivera sees or does not see in Dwayne Haskins, considering the Redskins spent a first-round pick on him last year. But I did see an article 
uh, something to the effect of that uh, Dwayne Haskins was having difficulty reading the Ron Rivera's playbook. He's having such difficulty that Ron Rivera thought maybe he had dyslexia. Um, not for sure if that um, if he does or not, but uh, I'm not for sure if Ron Rivera is comfortable with Dwayne Haskins, you know, as his quarterback. Um, once again, everybody thought Chase Young would be penciled in as the uh, number two pick automatically. I've heard a couple people say, well, they got Montez Sweat and Ryan Kerrigan. They don't need him, you know. You know, Kerrigan's been around for a while. He's getting a little long in the tooth. I mean, Montez Sweat was a rookie last year. So, uh, still, I mean, Chase Young has to be the guy right there that the Redskins have to be looking at. I believe part of this could be is um, just them trying to drum up a little bit of, uh, you know, some uh, rumors out there where people might be looking to actually, you know, trade up to the number two pick. Uh, the Redskins do have a lot of holes, so they may be looking to, you know, get a plethora of picks. Um, it's one of those things, though, I can't understand it. Uh, you see a lot of people, I know Derek really, really likes Chase Young a lot. A lot of people are calling him a generational talent. He had better numbers at Ohio State than either one of the Bosa brothers. So, I mean, he seems just like the number the number uh, two lock. Uh, it's still even one of those things I, I couldn't understand. If this guy's such a generational talent, and I realize Cincinnati needs a quarterback, I mean, if this guy's, you know, really supposed to be that good, how come, you know, Cincinnati wouldn't look at him at number one and, like, they have Joe Burrow already penciled in? But um, I know a lot of Lions fans are liking the sounds of this, you know, with the Redskins maybe looking to take another quarterback in the first round and, um, you know, going with two as opposed to Dwayne Haskins. Now, Ron Rivera's not one of those coaches that, you know, that's, you know, been a longtime coordinator. He's been around the block. He's coached, um, you know, obviously a head coach for a while. So he does have some cachet to say, like, I want to draft this guy. I don't like who's here. Um so if he wants to go with Tua, you know, having Chase Young fall to the Lions, I know a lot of Lions fans would be happy with that. Um, I know me and Derek will probably discuss Chase Young a little bit, you know, at some other point. But um, Chase Young, I mean, I know the Lions do need some pass rush ability, and they need to, um, you know, uh, be able to get to the quarterback, you know, get uh, quarterbacks uncomfortable in the pocket. And Chase Young uh, on the other end of the line, you know, with Trey Flowers on one end, would definitely help do that. So, um, either way, I think the uh, scuttlebutt about the uh, Redskins taking two, I think that's just a, a smokescreen. Maybe thinking Miami or Oakland willing to uh, give up a bunch of picks to trade up to the number two spot. Um, in that way, uh, the Redskins would be able to uh, fill some more holes. But if that was to happen, I mean, once again, Chase Young falling the lines isn't really that bad of a thing. So. Uh, another thing I want to touch base on, um, I was watching video on uh, Matt Patricia. He uh, joined the uh, was it uh, Good Morning Football crew as they were in Indianapolis for the uh, for the combine that took place. Um, talked to him, Mr. Schrager there. I know one of the things that he said was that he was uh, very happy that Matt Stafford was the quarterback here in Detroit. Um, he did state that actually Matt Stafford was one of the reasons why he came to Detroit, and um, he would like him to keep him as the quarterback on the team. Uh, I know there's always you know me and Derek have talked about this, you know you know trade him, but once again we we believe that the cap hit would be too much, and uh, and um, I don't think that the Lions are interested in doing that, considering everybody's come out and said that uh, you know Stafford's here, Stafford's going to be the quarterback. But uh, along with Matt Patricia saying that he was happy with Stafford, I mean, he did have um, some other things I thought was a little bit of coach speak, you know, you know happy with the, way, with the way the direction the team's going, they're going to be better. It's going to be, you know, pretty much, you know, coach speak at this time of year for a team that's picking number three. Um, I do particularly like how Matt Patricia is one of those coaches that uh, 
he never looks to uh, throw his team under the bus. Uh, one thing I do wish at this point, um, I wish he'd kind of get rid of the pencil out from behind the ear. I think Derek's a fan of that. Me, I think it's starting to be a little one of those things just like, okay, it's a gimmicky thing, you know, it, it might be time to get rid of that. But uh, Matt Patricia, we all know he's a coach here. He's going to do what he wants. He's he's going to be the uh, he's the one calling the shots, and he's going to be the one, um, you know, helping uh, Bob Quinn make the pick. And I do believe, once again, this team needs some defense. So um, I, I think they're looking at that side of the ball. But, I mean, we never really know. I mean, something could come up. Lions could trade down. And um, they could be uh, looking, you know, at offense. You know, that always happens as well. You know, anything can happen in the draft. That's what Derek always says. It's just as soon as you think you know, you don't know. Something happens. Throws everything to a tizzy. Um, so uh, we're all looking forward to the draft and uh, and uh, seeing what will happen to improve the Lions. Uh, other than that, I'm going to take a quick break here so we uh, can get a time for our sponsors. I really appreciate uh, you guys taking time, you know, in um, – dealing with our sponsors. I know there's a few other people that have actually used Anchor and um, got some of their own podcast going. So uh, here's a listen, and we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, once again, uh, it's uh, Friday, and uh, I'm here by myself. This is uh, Griff coming at you. Sorry, so there's no bells and uh, no uh, dings or anything like that. So and, um, I, if I remember to do one on myself, I will look to do that. But uh, what I'm going to do here is, um, once again, we're uh, covering, uh, recapping the season. So I got some pointers here on a couple of the games. And um, just uh, to go back through them, just to remind everybody, you know, what happened. We know the Lions had a tough season. But still, this is um, it's always nice to look back at the games and see, uh, you know, the good points, you know, along with the bad. So um, once again, I'm covering the Washington game and the Bears game on Thanksgiving. So I'll uh, we'll start here with the Washington game. And this is one of those games that I know before the uh, the game when me and Derek previewed it. Even the low, even though the Lions had Driscoll at quarterback, um, the Redskins, you know, they weren't they were not that great a team. They weren't having a good year. Haskins rookie quarterback. He had um couple spots here and there in games but mostly he looked like a rookie quarterback in any time that he had played so um we both felt good going into this game even though the game was in washington lines having backup quarterback that um they may be able to go in there and sneak out with a win even though we know winning on the road in the nfl is a hard thing to do Uh, my first major point of the game overall that i would like to make is that Dwayne haskins he his numbers you know they weren't that great you know, he's kind of, you know, inaccurate with the ball, but his wide receivers, I don't know, I don't know if anything was on their hands or these guys are just some amazing concentration, but these guys were coming up with some catches that it's just like, they're, they're like almost Madden-esque that you would see like on a highlight of Madden that you would stop the game and then go back and replay it just to show it because their, their wide receivers and McLaurin and stuff, they were just they were just making some amazing catches just to kind of make up for the bad passes that Haskins was having. You know, that was like my biggest take from the game. I mean, there was points where guys were wide open and Haskins was overthrowing it, underthrowing it, bad passes, misreads, but there were some who was just like threading the needle and some where guys were jumping, making just these great catches, like one-handed catches. And it just, you know, scratching my head, like how, you know, what's on these guys' gloves, you know, even watching the replay. I remember thinking that watching the game originally, but watching the replay, I thought the same thing. But, um, and, you know, starting into the game, um, let's see, uh, the lines here on Driscoll, once again, he's one of those quarterbacks. He had to have, you know, he has pretty good mobility and, and okay arm, but still you could tell he's one of those, you know, quarterbacks, you know, not too much, you know, time, you know, on, under his belt in the league. So, um, 
he did have a nice drive early on. Um, Washington uh, did go down, you know, did have um, uh, a three nothing lead, but uh, Driscoll, you know, had a nice drive. That Washington was able to get some pressure on him at points, but uh, Driscoll with his feet was able to. Um, Scamper out, you know, you make some things happen, you know, get get some first downs on some runs here and here, here and there, and with um 11 minutes in the second quarter, you know, the game was 3-3. <clears throat> this was once again one of those games that wasn't at this point, you know, very exciting. You could tell that the offenses were struggling with who was you know under center, but um right after that, I remember this. We were talking about the game. I had went to the uh, kitchen. You know, or um, you know, use the bathroom really quick on the kickoff, and uh, Washington, you know, man named Sims, you know, returned the kickoff. Um, there was some bad coverage on that. It looked like a few guys left their left their lanes. Um, not for sure what happened there. I, I don't think it was blocked perfectly, but um, it was one of the things. Sims, you know, went up the middle, you know, missed a couple guys, broke to the top, and just ran down the sideline, and nobody was going to catch that guy. And you know, watching the highlight again, it's just you know one of those things where. You know, there's always talking that they're looking to take the kickoff out of the game or maybe changing it to the way the XFL does it. But that was one of those things. I mean, it's an exciting play, and, you know, it went against the Lions. But you just have to have better coverage than that. And I know last year at points, you know, the Lions special teams did have some, you know, issues. You know, that's why their coach was let go. But still, I mean, a kickoff return, it doesn't happen a whole lot in the NFL anymore. There was an awful lot of touchbacks. But Simmons was able to take that one to the house to give the um, give the Redskins a 10-3 lead at that point. Um, then, uh, once again, uh, it, it's nice to see, you know, I know we mentioned this before, with, with even with the uh, new quarterbacks after Stafford went down, that um, that the offensive playbook did not change. Um they still tried to go down the field some when they could. Um, there was right after that, um, you know, Driscoll once again tried to make a you know play downfield, threw into coverage, and uh, he was picked off at that point. Um, and, but the Lions defense did come up, and they, and they did, and they, and they held, you know, forcing um, Washington to punt. After that, um, you know, Lions had decent field position. Uh, I can't remember exactly where, but the next play, there was a fumble by the Lions, and it was recovered by Washington. So two plays in a row, the Lions had turnovers. You know, and, and Derek's right. Usually at this point, I'm looking for the sky to fall, and, you know, two plays back-to-back, one bad pick, and then another one just putting the ball on the ground in a pile of people. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of where, you know, I hang my head. You know, I'm starting to think, oh, gosh, you know, you know, you know same, same old Lions, but... You know, the defense bowed its back, it stiffened, you know, held them to a field goal, you know, so um, the Lions at this point were only down 13-3. to um, There was other points in the game, you know, before the halftime. Um, Driscoll looked good at points when people said, okay, you know, he might be a decent backup. You know, I, there's, nobody, there's no way I'd look to trade Matt Stafford to have him as the starting quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. But then there was points, once again, you can tell he was, you know, he was just a, a young quarterback without a lot of time. There was also points in this game where the offensive line, you know, did not help him. I know Washington dialed up some unique blitzes. And, um, you know, once it, it always seems like when the Lions play Washington, Ryan Kerrigan seems to have a big game against them. There's points where he had a you know, sack or two, you know, had some more pressures. <clears throat> and um, the offensive line did look confused at points. And it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't a great day for the Lions' offensive line, especially with, um, you know, carry on out. You know, Bo Scarborough ran the ball. He, had, he did have some really nice runs in this game. 
you know, some up the middle. And, um, you know, he looked like one of those guys that, you know, make the line, you know, make us as fans think he could be the, the power running back that the Lions are looking for. But, um, right before the halftime, the Lions, you know, do drive down and, um, they make it, um, you know, within the red zone, but then the offensive, then the offensive drive stalls and they settle for a field goal. So at halftime in this game, it's um, 13 to six. And at this point, you know, I'm thinking to myself, okay, for as bad as the Lions have played, um, you know, and the wet Redskins have, you know, rookie quarterback under there. I figure Matt Patricia may be able to dial up some changes, make some adjustments, and you know, and this team, you know, would be able to pull it out in the end, even with Driscoll at QB. So um, once again, there in the third quarter, the Lions, you know, get the ball and um, Driscoll. Once again, it's one of those things that you know kind of showed some flashes. Had a few nice passes, you know, drove the team down the field and uh, threw a touchdown. Logan Thomas with roughly 10 minutes left in the third quarter. And so um, that's uh, he, Logan Thomas. You you know, uh, ran a nice flag route on that, you know, off the field and, you know, broke for the black uh, for the back flag and uh, Driscoll, you know, put it over the top and, uh, you know, a nice uh, pass and catch by the team to tie the game up. <clears throat> and once again, uh, a couple things happened and, uh, you know, Derek, this is for you. Jared Davis had a nice sack, you know, blitz right up the middle. You know, uh, Dwayne Haskins had nowhere to go. You know, it's one of those things where I know we talk about it, but, you know, you got to give the guys due. You know, Jared Davis, when he can... Uh, you know, shoot from the hip that way and just point and shoot and go and make the tackle. That's one thing that he does excel at. So, uh, Jared Davis, nice sack there in the third quarter. Lions get the ball back, drive back down, and um, they once again, you know, drive stalls and they set up for a field goal. And it's uh, 16-13 at that point. And then we go into the fourth quarter. And um, I- I'm not for sure what what really happened there. I don't know if the Lions, there was points where they'll seen the Lions bring a little pressure, but then once again, they kind of did what we saw later in the year. Um, they didn't get nearly as much pressure as they had at other points in the game. Uh, Dwayne Haskins seemed to settle in a little bit more. His wide receivers once again made a few more of those catches that, you know, make us wonder what was on their gloves, what special, you know, scientific substance was on their gloves to give these guys the, you know, the, you know, the opportunity to catch everything thrown in their way. But, um, you know, the Redskins put a couple drives together. You know, the Lions didn't get too much drive, you know, too much pressure on those, uh, on the last drives. Um, they went down at one point, kicked a field goal, and then the Lions got the ball back. And then I, I realized the Lions were trying to, you know, drive down the field, you know, late in the game to try to, you know, get into scoring position to pull the game out. But once again, Driscoll threw another bad interception, you know, over the middle, guy was well covered. Washington just stepped right in front of the pass, just jumped the route and threw and right in the hands and uh, got the interception there. A um, couple more plays. One, th- one of the plays, once again, that brought to my mind, I know me and Derek laughed about, not laughed, but kind of debated. It's like, well, how come nobody was guarding Adrian Peterson out of the backfield? I remember Derek saying, like, what had Adrian Peterson done all day to put somebody on him? Which I can see his point on that, but still, he's on the field. He's a pass-eligible, you know, wide receiver. You know, somebody can catch the ball, and still he was out in the flat, and he was able to catch the ball, make a man miss, scamper up the sideline for a big gain to help them get back into field goal range. <clears throat> and then, uh, once again, late in the game, the you know, Redskins were able to kind of salt it away. They uh, got the field goal, you know, take a 19-16 lead. And then uh, late in the game, there was another interception, you know, end of the game. But um, where was Dwayne Haskins? He wasn't there under center to take the final kneel down. He was too busy, you know, taking selfies with the crowd. 
Um, I don't know if that's immaturity. I mean, happy he got his first win. I understand that, but gosh, dude, I mean, that's kind of one of the most classless things I've seen out of any pro. It's just like, I'm going to go take selfies with the fans after my first win while the game is still happening. It's like, I mean, I guess it's one of those things. I mean, it may sound like sour grapes and people are like, you know, you don't want them to do it, win the game. But still, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen anybody do that while the clock is still running, go over to the sideline to take selfies with the guy. But uh, maybe that's one of the things that shows his immaturity. Maybe one of the things that Ron Rivera doesn't like and maybe why he's thinking about taking Tua Tungavailoa at the number two pick. But uh, anyways, you know, it's one of those tough, heartbreaking games that we often talk about last year. Another, you know, one-score game where the Lions just, you know, aren't able to hold on in the end. You know, they, there was points where they played well. There was points that, you know, the defense, you know, did not get enough pressure, got wide receivers wide open. But when, like I said, the wide receivers in this game really made some catches that were, I mean, you just have to, you know, give them credit. You know, they were just amazing catches. But that's just a tough luck loss right there for the Lions at this point in the season. But then after that, we know it's a short week. It's a short, you know, plane ride back from Washington, D.C. to the Detroit. And the Lions are going to have to play on Thanksgiving. And I know once again it's a hard luck season, and a lot of you know a lot of America you know is not you know happy to see the Lions when they're having a bad you know year on Thanksgiving. But still, you know it's our game. You know, leave us alone. We're the ones that started it. You know, we're not going to lose it. You know, I'm, you know, sorry we've had some bad years, and you know we haven't been able to watch all like you know all star teams, and you know the Dallas Cowboys they play at 4:30, so you can sit around and watch those guys, and we all know they'll get the calls on Thanksgiving. But, you know, the Lions are here. It's our game. And I was more than happy to, you know, you know, after, um, you know, while eating, pony up and uh, watch this game as well. I love Thanksgiving. always have great, great memories of this game as a kid. Even now, I, I still love to watch it, even with the times that the, the hard luck years the Lions have had. So uh, let's get into this game. Um, once again, the Bears quarterback, Mitch, it'll always be Mitch. And he comes down, you know, Bears get the opening kickoff. Uh, Cordell Patterson takes it out, gets a nice return. Patterson's one of the most dangerous return men in the game. We all know that. He's one of those guys, it seems like no matter what, you always want the guy to return it. It always seems like he's going to get it past the 25, no matter what, or he has a major chance of breaking it. So, you know, once again, uh, the kickoff coverage on it, you know, not that great for the Lions. So, um, you know, uh, Mitch, he's able to uh, drive the Bears down the field on the opening drive. Lions didn't have too much pressure on him, and uh, they go up on you know seven nothing you know early in the game. And at this point, you know I'm just like, gosh, guys, you know it's it's going to be a long game. I realize, you know, um, Driscoll got hurt the last game, and Blau is now the quarterback. It's the first time we've all seen him. Uh, Lions traded for Blau at the end of the preseason, so we're all kind of interested to see what this guy can do. So um, once again, you know, um, Blau's out there, and um, Daryl Bevel keeps the playbook the same, no matter who's in there at quarterback. Comes out there, and um, Blau just throws a great deep ball. You know, Kenny Galladay, you know, you know, double move, and he's by the defense. Blau just puts it out there, and Kenny runs underneath it. You know, scampers in for the 78-yard touchdown. Um, it's just one of those things I'm like, whoa, you know, it really opened my eyes right there. I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be great, you know, uh, you know, it's going to be one of those games, we throw caution to the wind, we're going to keep, you know, playing hard, and, uh, you know, once again, won't change the playbook, just because we're down to our third string quarterback, you know, from that, at that point on, you know, in the first half, you know, you know, Blau, you know, looked, you know, really, really good, um, it seemed like the Bears were just kind of, like, sitting back, you know, hoping at this point that, you know, they would allow him to make mistakes, you know, either with their coverage, or, you know, just um, maybe not reading the right defense, you know, maybe tricking him. But, you know, but, you know, you have to admit, you know, 
Blau looked good early. You know, he had a, you know some nice passes to Kenny Galladay, who had a big game. You know, this day, you know, well over 100 yards receiving on like four or five catches. You know, Marvin Jones. You know, um, his stats weren't you know weren't as you know prolific as Kenny Galladay's this game, but once again, he had some nice catches. He seemed to get open as well. You know, and um, and um, early on, you know, Lions get the ball back after they hold have after holding the Bears the punt. Blau drives him down again, you know, finds like, just the aforementioned, you know, Marvin Jones in, in the end zone for a touchdown. Lions are up 14-7 at this point, looking really good, you know, on Thanksgiving. <clears throat> you know, we realize at this point as fans that there's, um, you know, um, more losses, you get a better draft pick, but it's always nice to see them win on Thanksgiving, so I was pretty happy. Offense was looking good. The defense, you know, had settled in after, you know, that early drive by Mitch and the Bears, and um, Lions were up 14-7 at this point. And then right after that, you know, Lions go kick off, and it's like that onside kick that wasn't an onside kick. Not for sure if, you know, somebody slipped, stumbled, you know, a misplant, but that ball, you know, you know, shot right at the uh, the Bears' front line on the kick return team, bounced off them, and the uh, Lions recover. You know, so um, that's uh, one of those things that, uh, it, it, you know, afterwards they were like, oh, no, that was just a miss hit, we didn't plan it. But I, I can't understand why more teams don't do that early on. Or at some point in the game, you know, it's just teams aren't looking for it. You know, yeah, all coaches say look for it, keep in mind, watch it. But I don't think they really believe that they're actually going to onside kick at that point. So, uh, you know, the Lions jumped on the ball. They took advantage of um, the uh, of the Bears' first line, just, you know, turning to look to block, you know, return on the block. And, uh, you know, they got the ball, they got the ball right there. But, um Lions weren't able to do anything with it, you know, they, uh, you know, punted away, but then, once again, the Lions defense, you know, held up again. Um, <clears throat> Blau, once again, had another nice uh, deep ball to uh, Kenny Boy at about uh, five and a half in the second quarter to move the ball down there, and at that point, it looked like the uh, drive was about to stall out, but then um, the Bears got called for roughing the passer, and it continued with the drive. And it might be one of those things where Bears fans be like, "Oh, it wasn't that bad." I don't know if you want to call that roughing the passer. It, it was. That was that was the the new NFL roughing the passer, and I guess you really can't complain about it. Um, Bears fans, sorry. I know I often complain like those calls go against the Lions, but you know they got one here. You know, so once again, I'll take it. You know, I'm always I'm always more than willing to take those calls for the Lions. Um, Lions had the ball for um, a couple more minutes, but once again, the drive stalls and. Um, they go up 17-7. Then the Bears, like right before halftime, they're able to, um, I don't know if they went into like some sort of soft prevent defense. Um, the Lions did, but uh, the Bears moved the ball down the field, got within field goal range, and took some of the momentum away from the Lions by um, kicking a field goal and only being down 17-10 at the half. Um, the third quarter, um, you know, at this point, you know, uh, Lions are up 17-10. I'm happy, you know, half a game, Blau's looking good. And you know, going into the second half, the defense is in, you know playing pretty well. Um, even though Mitch is having some time to throw the ball and he's finding his receivers, but still, we're up at half. I'm good with that. You know, second half rolls around. Lions get the ball. They punt it away. Bears get the ball back. And um, at about the ten and a half minute mark, mark, my boy, big play Slay comes up with a nice interception. You know, to stall the uh, the Bears drive. Um, and I'm always one of those things. I think um, was it he only had Slay only had two or three picks last year. Can't remember right off the top of my head, but uh, a lot of teams didn't throw his way. So uh, him getting the pick, you know, that amped up the crowd, made me hyped up. I'm like, great, we got the ball back. 
and uh, we can go down and score, and that's what I'm hoping for. But at that point, the Bears had made some adjustments. I don't know if they did some more, you know, you know, disguise the coverages a little better. Um, they really increased the pressure in the second half as well. I thought they brought some more blitzes against them, Blau, but he didn't look nearly as comfortable in the second half as he did in the first half. Um, once again, you know, rookie quarterback, it's come to be expected. You know, it just seemed like, you know, the clock struck midnight and, um, the, you know, the pumpkin went back to, you know, the carriage went back to the pumpkin and Cinderella returned back to, you know, being being a housemaid. And, you know, Blau just did not look that comfortable in the second half. So uh, um, there was points in this game, I'm like, come on, I'm just like, just hold on. Let's just get the W. Just, you know, defense is playing good. Just hold on. You know, don't make any mistakes. Offense, just, you know, keep the ball. Just, you know, try to do something. Let's get the run game going just to kind of burn the clock. But, you know, one of those things where the Lions had to drive to put it away. Then the Bears, once again, I don't know, Mitch has some elixir against the Lions where he just becomes, you know, Joe Montana, and he's just able to hit all these passes. And he drives the ball down the field, and he hits a Horstead. The tight end. I know you're all saying who, the same Horstead who had a touchdown against the you know for the Bears a few weeks before in Chicago, um, or he, or he had a you know I can't remember his, he just had a nice game that game too. But you know, well, like Horstead, you know I can understand why the Lions aren't guarding this guy. Once again, he is a pass eligible wide receiver, so I'm not quite for sure he's tight end. And we all know the Lions seem to struggle with covering the tight end. But I know when Horstead scored, I was just like, gosh, man, this just can't happen, you know. So. But at this point, you know, they scored, it's 17-17, <clears throat> then, it, then the Lions, you know, you know, something happens, Blau, he, he, he gets a little bit of his confidence back, and he, he puts a really nice drive together, and um, it gets down, they're, they're, in, they're in the red zone, they're close, I mean, I believe they're within, within the 10, it's third and one, and McKissick's at running back, and 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 I know there's probably certain offensive sets for certain guys, and you know it's one yard, and it's and it didn't seem to be like one of those. You hear the term like, oh, that's a short one or a long or a long one yard, almost two yards. No, it seemed to be you know just around you know maybe you know one yard, you know something like that. And McKissick's in there, and he gets the ball, and he has the edge. And we realize McKissick's fast, but he he tried to even go farther to the outside. If he cuts it up right then and there, he gets. He gets the he gets the one yard. That's all we're looking for. I mean, he's looking for the home run play. You know, just scoring the touchdown. But you know, cut it up. You know, just get get the one yard, and you'll be fine. That's what you needed right there. No one said he tries to bounce it outside, and you know, Fuller comes up from that from the corner spot. You know, dives in. You know, makes a you know shoestring tackle, and McKissick goes down short of the uh, of the of the first down marker. Now, once again, at this point, you know, I, I believe this is going to be like at this point where he was tackled, it becomes like maybe a, a a really long one for fourth and one, or closer to fourth and two, and the Lions settle for the field goal, and um, Lions go up twenty to seventeen. So it's okay, they got the points here. You know, I, I realize the Bears just went down and scored, but still, you know, they haven't, the Lions defense hasn't been playing that bad today. Um, at this point, the Lions defense does hold, and the Bears get in. The Bears are forced to punt. The Lions get the ball back. And um, Scarborough, at this point, has a big run down the sideline. Breaks to the outside, you know, and he rips off a nice, you know, like it was like a 15, 20-yard run. And once again, there's a flag on the play. Kenny Galladay, you know, for such a great day, he had a wide, rec- you know, a wide receiver catching the ball. And, you know, he had the black, he had the, he had that block in the back. And um, it was pretty obvious. I mean, I know people can say, well, it was chintzy. No, watching the replay, it's one of those obvious, you know, he hits the guy in the numbers. 
you know, one of those things, you know, coaches tell you, if you see his numbers, you know, don't hit him in the back. Just, you know, you know, kind of let it go. Just kind of stay in there as a wall and, um, you know, let the, let the running back go around you guys. But the McKissick play and the Galladay play, I think, were the two biggest, you know, plays of this game. Um, and, you know, not getting the first down, keeping the drive going, and maybe getting a touchdown on it, you know, and have to settle for a field goal. And then the block the the block in the back you know sending sending it back forcing the lines you know to end up you know punting from the drive giving the ball back to the bears um the line at that point once again i don't know what it is mitch mitch you know finds life the uh and you know i'm going to beat the lions cuz i'm mitch Trubisky. i'm terrible against every other team but for some odd reason i show up against the lions um he's able to you know feed these passes in there, you know, uh, to, um, the wide receiver Miller on the, uh, on the bears. Um, the worst part was, I mean, Miller was running routes against, uh, Justin Coleman, the big signing that the Lions had in the off season. We all know that. And, um, one of the catches down the sideline to put it near the end zone. I, I, I don't know. Coleman had decent position, but I guess you got to hand it to Mitch at that point. He just made a great catch. Miller made or a great throw. Miller made a nice catch to put it, you know, within within the 10 10-yard 10 line and, you know, at that point um the the Bears go in for the score to go up uh 24 to 20. Now um the Lions do get the ball back late in the game and maybe looking for Blau to you know do some magic, but at one point um <clears throat> it's like third down and um, Blau gets sacked, and it's going to, you know, it's, or it's like second down, he gets he's sacked, and it's like third and 22. It's, you know, pretty much third and a mile. And at this point, he just throws the ball up for grabs, you know, down the field, hoping to get a first down, and it's a pick. Um, Bears pick it off, and that pretty much ends the game right there. You know, a tough luck loss, you know, on Thanksgiving, right after a tough luck loss on the road, you know, in Washington. So, man, you know, in that short week, you know, the Lions lost two tough games, you know, you know, to two teams that were very beatable, even with what the Lions had on the field, you know, going down 24-20. So just a rough week, you know, once again, it was, you know, it was nice to see family and friends on Thanksgiving and, uh, but still, you know, tough luck loss, you know, for the Lions, you know, going into the long break. So, uh, um, but still, this kind of showed where the lines were at. They, they did have some pieces here and there. Um, I would still, like for this year, I, I wouldn't want to put my eggs in the basket of the Driscoll or Blau as the backup quarterback for these guys. I know at points last year, I was just like, you know, maybe give them some snaps, see a little more. But I think throughout the year, as the game as it wore on, especially with Blau, we saw that once teams saw a little more tape on him, they were able to figure him out, you know, confuse him more, and he didn't look nearly as good as he did from the start. So that happens a lot. It's the NFL. There's a lot, you know, that's where the best coaches are. So uh, um, at this point, you know, it's, you know, it's a hard-luck season, and right now the Lions are just playing for pride, you know, the, the infamous, you know, playing for pride term that everybody uses, and we're all, like, you know, saying, why don't we just lose out? We get the best draft pick we can. So, um, um. That, that's pretty much this week, you know, covering these two games. I know next week me and Derek will be back. Um, once again, if you guys want to hit me up on Twitter, feel free to give me a, you know, a shot at, at Grifka. That's G-R-I-F-K-A-D-K-C. Or uh, call in on the line or text at 989-272-3484. Once again, that, call, that line is 989-272-3484. And, um... 
I know it's been nice talking to you guys this week. Sorry, once again, I didn't have any bells for you guys this week. And uh, um, once again, uh, I know I like the shameless plugs. But you know, hit me online. You know, uh, at uh, Twitter. Once again, that's at GrifkaDKC, or uh, please hit up uh, Derek Oakery. Uh, that's at Derek Oakery. That's D-E-R-E-K. Okay. R-I-E. Both of us love to hear from you guys, talk to you guys, you know, tell us what uh, you want us to talk about. If you have any questions for us that we'd like to uh, answer on the show, um, you know, uh, give us a good question, we'll answer it here for you. And um, that's all I really have. So once again, uh, just to let you guys know, is there anything else that I have for you guys this week? Uh, nope. So uh, that's all I got. Once again, you know, go Lions, everybody. Uh, drink it in. Have a good weekend. Bye.